welcome you to the services of the Boonville congregation. I know we may have several uh, joining us on social media, and we welcome you as well. I've seen several visitors in the audience. You're our honored guest today. We hope that you uh, benefit from worshiping with us today. Leading us in our worship service, uh, Brother Bo Gross will be leading our singing. Brother Rick Warner has the opening prayer. Brother Ethan Kendrick, the uh, scripture reading. And Brother Ken is going to be talking to us about seeking to see who Jesus is this morning. I will lead us as we observe the Lord's Supper. And then Brother Jerry Barrett will have our announcements and closing prayer. Would you bow with me, please? Our loving Heavenly Father... We know that you have blessed us beyond our comprehension, and we're so thankful for all that you have done for us and for the opportunity we have to worship thee this morning. We pray that all we do would be pleasing in your sight and acceptable to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. First song this morning, number 548, Lily of the Valley. Let's all sing together. I have found a friend in Jesus, he's everything to me. He's a very something thousand to my soul.
pray. Most kind and loving Heavenly Father, we are so thankful, Father, that we have the privilege to come together this morning to worship Thee. We pray, Father, that the things that's done here today will come up as acceptable worship unto Thee. We're so thankful, Father, that we're able to, to meet, assemble to, to worship Thee, Father, without fear of outside influences. We just pray, Father, that we would clear our minds from the things of this world, that we would be here for no other reason but to, to worship Thee, Father, and to focus our thoughts on Thee. We ask you to be with Brother Ken this morning as he breaks the bread of life unto us, that you would be with him, help him to uh, present the lesson, Father, in a way that would be easy to understand, that we would take it into our hearts, and that we'd live it out in our daily lives, Father. We have many of our number, Father, that are sick, and we pray thy special blessings to be upon each one of them. We have those that uh, are going in for surgery, Father. Uh, we pray that you be with Marilyn this week as, as she goes to have her knee surgery. She would be with her and help this to be a successful uh, outcome, Father. Pray the special blessings to be upon John David Horn it's with his knee surgery, Father. It was a rather extensive surgery, and we just pray that you would be with him and help him to get back on his feet. Pray thy special blessings, Father, to be upon Janice Clayton this morning as she is struggling for life at the Tupelo Hospital, that you would just be with her, suit unto her what's most needful, be with those that are caring for her, and, and be with her family. We uh, pray for all the others, Father, that are sick and, and hurting and we, that we might not even know about, that uh, you would be with them and, and help them in a way that only you can, Father. We pray for those that have lost loved ones. We especially pray, Father, for the, the Nival family, Father, that you would continue to be with them and bless them, Father, in the loss of their precious father and brother, Father. To all the family members, I know that they're suffering, Father, and you would just be, you'd be with them. We're... Uh, Thankful now, Father, for all that you all that you do for us. We're so thankful for the leadership of our church, Father, that uh, you would bless each one of them and help them to lead us in a way, Father, that our church could grow both spiritually and numerically. We uh, pray uh, a special blessings to be upon uh, our deacons as they carry about the work here. Father, just be with them and bless them and bless the work, Father, that, that it would grow. We're so thankful, Father, for everything, but mostly, Father, we're thankful for our precious Son, Jesus, who came and made the ultimate sacrifice on the cross that we could have hope of eternal life, Father. And we would just pray, Father, that we would live each day closer to thee, Father, and we just pray that, Father, that you would be with us. We, we know, Father, that we sin, often sin and do things that's contrary to thy will, and we just pray, Father, that we'd realize this and we would, we would turn from it, Father, turn back to thee. 
We just ask that you would please forgive us when we do, Father. Just now I ask that you would go with us through the rest of this service and throughout the rest of our lives, Father. Help us always to live close to thy son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. If you'd like to mark the invitation song, be number 911. 911. The song before our scripture reading this morning is to be Seek Ye First. I have a love hate relationship this time of year. I absolutely love the springtime and the green and the flowers, but the pollen is absolutely doing a number on my sinuses. So if I stop, please just keep on going. Seek Ye First. Seek Ye First standard version the following scripture says and behold there was a man named Zacchaeus he was a chief tax collector and was rich he was seeking to see who Jesus was on the count of the crowd he could not because he was small in stature so he ran on ahead and climbed up to a sycamore tree to see him for he was about to pass that way and when Jesus came to the place he looked and said to him said Zacchaeus hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down, received him joyfully. When they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus st stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and I have defrauded anyone of anything. I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to his house, since also he is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost.
to me, and I hope that it will be for you too. And those of us that have been here awaiting your return, I'm just telling you, we are thrilled to death that you're here. I have a couple of things before I begin our sermon for today. One is Missy Barnett texted me yesterday and told me that Alex is going to begin his stint with the Marines today. So please remember Steve and Missy as their son is headed to the military. Avery is not doing that, but Alex is. So I have mixed emotions about that. I respect and have all kinds of honor and just positive, happy feelings about his decision to do that. But I can only imagine the parents, I'm sure they're proud, but there is anxiety about that as well. And any of you that have been through that process, or maybe you were in the military yourself, you know exactly what he's facing and what that family's facing. So this morning we want to pray for them. And then I also have this note that I'm going to read and share with you. This is from Randall Mooney. Uh, Randall, where are you? Okay, if you turn, you can see him raising his hand back there in case you're not sure who that is. Randall says, I'm a Christian. I have a thorn in the flesh that's difficult to deal with. I've dealt with it since I was 14 years old. I have separation anxieties and have had them since the third grade. I and Vera, that's his wife, need your prayers. She's actually at home sick today, but she's watching the live stream. So all of you wave at me. All right. Okay, Vera, they're all waving at you, all right? Uh, she's at home enjoying our service there, not feeling well. Uh, we would like to attend here as much as is possible, depending on our health. I'm a Navy veteran. Vera retired from Walmart, having served there for 20 years. We love this congregation. We have no outstanding problems with any former congregations. I sometimes talk when I shouldn't and don't, don't talk when I should. But my hope is to become a Barnabas in working with you here at Boonville. So we are thrilled to death that the Moonies are here. We already have some Moonies, so just join in the Mooney clan and we're thrilled to have you be a part. They've been attending for some time now and uh, many of us have already acquainted ourselves with them, but I hope that you'll welcome them as part of this congregation here. Okay, those are the issues that I wanted to share with you. Let's pray, and, and as we pray, we're also going to be asking God's blessing on us as we're entering into this portion of our worship. And it is worship. This is not just simply a Bible study. We are opening God's Word with the expectation that that word is going to imprint something on our hearts. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that's going to be the result here today. So let's just set our minds to that and let God do his work on us. Please pray with me. Our Father in heaven, we're thankful for the first day of the week. 
And as we find ourselves here in the midst of this time of worship, we're praying that all that we've done to this point has been acceptable to you. And now we have the task of entering into the study of your word that's more than that to us. It's a time of meditation and reflection. And we pray that your word will impact our hearts today. I pray, Lord, that you'll help me to communicate. And I pray for our hearers that they can receive. Lord, we've had two who've come to us today and we're praying on behalf of Alex and Randall and Vera. And we pray, Father, that you'll bless Alex as he begins this new journey in his life. We pray your protection over him and we pray success. We pray that he will find uh, his place in that particular work and that he will excel. And more than that, that he will remember who he is, that he will carry with him all that he's learned from his family and his association with us here in the church and that he will shine. And we just pray um, nothing but uh, encouragement and comfort to his family as they offer support to him. And Lord, I pray for Randall and for Vera as they have made their intentions known to be a part of this congregation. And I pray that you will bless them, that they will find their place here. They'll be effective in the works that they do. And that all of us together, joined together as one body, can bring glory and honor to you. And thank you for the privilege that that is. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's something that I'm pretty sure is true. That is that just because you say you know somebody doesn't mean that you know them intimately. There's something very different between an intimate knowledge of someone and just a, a casual knowledge. I was at a funeral recently where there were over a thousand people in attendance. I heard some folks who were there in offering their condolences to the family, breaking down and crying and reminiscing about private uh, matters related to their relationship and just sharing beautiful stories. I also met people who, who knew the person that had died and had great respect for them. So much respect they're there at the funeral. But you know, they, they weren't just engrossed in what was happening. They're talking about all kinds of things, the weather, um, maybe talking about when do we start planting, um, wh what are we going to do this summer, you know, just, just regular things people talk about. So in that gathering of 1,000 people, there were some people who were deeply touched by the death to the point of tears and grief. And others who were touched by the death and respected the family enough to be there. But, you know, maybe they just worked with a person or maybe they were a neighbor. They didn't have an intimate relationship, an intimate knowledge. It was just casual. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm thinking as much as that's true in our normal relationships. There are some people that we know a lot better than we know other people. That, that's true in our relationships. I, I'm thinking that's, that's probably true when it comes to a relationship with Jesus. There are some people 
who know Jesus on an intimate level. And then there are some people, and no offense, but they know Jesus on a more casual level. In this text, we have described for us a man by the name of Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus has a desire to build a deeper relationship with Jesus. He knew who Jesus was, but he wanted to see Jesus. And he had a deep yearning desire, not just to see him, but to develop what was a casual relationship into something that was more intimate. I do not know, of course, what your level of involvement with Jesus is. Clearly, you love Jesus. But is your relationship intimate or, or is it casual? Sometimes there are obstacles that get in the way of our having a better relationship with Jesus. Obstacles or barriers that keep us from truly seeing Jesus for who he really is. Our vision is sometimes obscured by physical barriers. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was but could not because of the crowd for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Through verse 6. If I were to ask you, what in this text do you see as a physical barrier to Zacchaeus' seeing Jesus? You might immediately say, well, right there from the very beginning, Ken, it says that he was a chief tax collector and he was rich. And you know that riches, the love of money and things, the mammon of this world, those things can get in the way of truly seeing who Jesus is. They can really stand as an obstacle or a barrier to our relationship with Jesus. And absolutely, the scriptures teach that. In the book of Luke chapter 18 and verse 25, Jesus said, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. He doesn't say it's impossible, but he does make the point that riches surely can become a barrier to one's full, intimate relationship with God. No doubt about that. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10 is a pretty famous, well-known passage that teaches essentially the same thing. That text says that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, it's not at the source of every kind of evil, but uh, honestly, if you boil things down, often enough, it's the result of the love of money or some material thing. And he says, you watch that, that's a major problem. 
So I, I don't have any doubt about it. And for some people, this would obviously be true that money, a material thing, or things like money, materialism, can certainly stand as a barrier to getting to see Jesus. But you know, that is not really Zacchaeus' immediate problem. Zacchaeus' immediate problem was that he was too short. I mean, he's just, he's a little guy. And he's trying to see Jesus, but the crowd is such, the people that have gathered to see Jesus and, and hear some things that he has to say, or maybe touch Jesus and experience healing, all of those people are crowding him out, and there's no way to get into the presence of Jesus. I'm thinking that more often than not, that's also a problem for us. I mean, developing that intimate relationship. How can I really get to see Jesus? Well, one way we can see Jesus better is right there in the scriptures. I mean, I can't physically see Jesus today, but I can sure see direct accounts of his interaction with other people. And maybe I can relate to the people that Jesus himself relates to. In fact, Jesus said, if you want to know me better, you need to join up with me. And, and the only way I know how to do that is through the scriptures. In, in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28, 29, and 30, Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, you want to know what I know? You want, to, you want to experience what I'm experiencing? You want to learn from me? Then yoke up with, join up. Let's get tied up here. I, I can do that through the scriptures. Or, you know, I think about the scriptures themselves and there are a lot of gaps there. I haven't the description of everything that Jesus did but there are those things that are there for the express purpose of developing my relationship with Jesus. In John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, Jesus said, or John says, many other signs did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Look, you want to have life in Jesus? You want to believe that Jesus is the Son of God? That's going to come, that intimate relationship, as a result of reading those scriptures and reliving the life that Jesus lived. And those, those very important interactions with other people, the things that he did. I, I know Jesus is the focal point of God because the scriptures express it that way. Hebrews chapter 1, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and express image of his person upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. 
And in chapter 2, he says, Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also testifying both with signs, wonders, various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Okay, stop right there. Got Jesus, going to learn from him. Yeah, but whoa, we've got more because not only do we listen to Jesus, but those who are with him, they have something to say. And those who are inspired by God to dictate to us those intimate details that build... Not a casual, but an intimate relationship with Jesus, the Son of God. Oh yeah, I I can build that. I can see Jesus through the scriptures. But here's a beautiful thought. I can also see Jesus through those who have been impacted by Jesus. Those within whom Jesus lives. When I'm with them, I'm with Jesus. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now I'm thinking about Jesus who loved me and gave himself for me. And oh, I just, I want to know him more. But to, to know him better, to have an intimate relationship with him would mean then that others who have that with him, maybe even greater than myself, when he's manifested in them and I'm with them, guess what? Well, there he is. I see Jesus. Oh, I ought to be able to see Jesus in you. And you ought to be able to see Jesus in me. And when we do that, when we see Jesus alive in one another... We are building a deeper and more intimate relationship with him. That's why Paul could say in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, imitate me as I'm imitating Christ. You know, follow my footsteps as my footsteps are following Jesus's footsteps. Or we look to our leaders who are specifically and very carefully qualified themselves. And we trust that they are walking in the footsteps of Jesus, that they have Christ in them. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you. Listen, whose faith follow. I can watch them be impacted by them as they have been impacted by Jesus. And then by the very expression of their faith, I become more intimately related to Jesus just by the experience that I'm having with them. Sometimes our vision is obscured by physical barriers, but you see, those barriers can be removed. Also, sometimes that barrier takes the form of an emotional one. Emotional barriers. I want to take you back from the very beginning of what Jesus relates here. And he says, now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. (laughs) Okay. Now, I don't know if anybody in here 
works for the IRS. Peace. (laughs) This doesn't relate to you. Let's go back to the first century and take a look at a tax collector and see why this might be an emotional thing for him. Tax collectors in that time, well, they did what tax collectors do now. They collect tax. But you understand, this was the time of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was vast. It it basically covered the known inhabited world or at least the civilized world, you might call it. So the Romans dominated other cultures. But what they liked to do is let a culture like the Jewish nation, Judea, let that area kind of govern itself. We'll just watch over it. They'll pay tribute to us, tax. And here's how they collected tax. They say, okay, Judea as a whole owes this much tax money. We've got to get that. So people who are interested would bid for the right to collect the tax that was in Judea. There were some Roman citizens who did that. And there was, you know, no no problem. I mean, they're Romans. The Jews hate the Romans. But if it's a Roman collecting your tax, well, you know... It's just the way it is. Jews didn't like to think that they were in service to anybody else. We are not a dominated society, even though they were serving others, and even though they were dominated, they just like to think of themselves as their own people governing themselves. So anybody that interjected themselves into that situation was a terrible enemy. So Romans want tribute. They want tax. Okay, we have to pay the tax. Roman tax collector, okay, I hate you anyway, so here's my money. But what if you're a Jewish tax collector? Oh, wait a minute. Zacchaeus, he's the son of Abraham. He's a Jew. He has bidded for the right to collect taxes. Oh, but here's the dirty little secret about collecting taxes. The Roman government says so much. But if you're going to be a tax collector and you're going to make a living, you're going to have to, you know, add a little top to that, make a little extra. I mean, after all, a man's got to make a living, right? And so they would add money to the tax collection. That's not necessarily a problem unless you are oppressive in that regard. Okay, let's get back to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a Jew. He's going to be taxing his own people. But look at this in the text. He was a tax collector and he was rich. Question, how did he get rich? He got rich by charging more than was necessary in terms of the tax of his own people and oppressed people. He's taking advantage of his own brethren. The rabbis said... If you have one tax collector in your family, your whole family is disgraced. You say, well, we tried to tell him. We don't care. Is that not your son? Yes. Your whole family is disgraced. Can you imagine? This man has turned against his own people. But you know what? It's not just in tax collecting time. Would that it were only... April 15th, (laughs) he came out of his hole, he collected his taxes, he went back, and then he can intermingle with his people. No, this is his life. And now every day, his own people look at him, 
and they despise him for what he does. He is a traitor to his own people. He has sold his soul to line his own pockets. He's a tax collector. He's an enemy of our people. And he is rich. So, this guy who is despised, and oh, by the way, despised? In society, there were people who were on a societal hierarchy, right? At the top, you got your Pharisees, then maybe your Sadducees and those who tended to the temple, and you got those religious leaders of a sort, and then below that, you're very faithful members of society, maybe the patriarchs of each family, the heads of each little group, and we just go on and on and on and on and on. When we get down here to the bottom, down to where the dirt is, we've got people like harlots, and a general class of sinners. And then, (laughs) we've got tax collectors. He wanted to see Jesus. So what did he do? He climbed up into a sycamore tree. Okay, when I was a little guy, little little kid, I, um, I remember getting those pictures in the little lessons that we had in our Bible classes. And I remember studying Zacchaeus. You know, there's the corresponding song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. (laughs) So I I think about that. And the, the image that comes to my mind is the little pamphlet that came along with the lesson story. It was on the front flap. And it always had this, it was kind of funny. It had this little guy precariously perched on a bush that looked like it's about this big. So I can imagine the funny picture is Jesus comes up, you know, and he's talking to Zacchaeus, who's, this is weird. He's standing in a little bush so that he's eye level with Jesus. And I kind of thought that's maybe how it is until I found out what a sycamore tree is. Now the sycamore was, it was also not like the American sycamore. It was, it was a a kind of fig tree. It produced a fruit, a mixed fruit. It, it was the same noked fruit that Amos was famous for working with. <clears throat> that tree was 60 feet across. Now, I stepped this off. 60 feet is roughly from the edge of that pilaster beam there to this one. 60 feet. It was 25 to 40 feet high, which is about two-thirds of the way to the peak there. You're getting an image of this tree? It's enormous. Zacchaeus did not climb up into that tree so he could get to eye height with Jesus. Zacchaeus climbed into that tree so that he could see Jesus, but but not be seen by anybody else. Because he's got emotional issues. And who wouldn't? Despised by your own people. Your own family has been disgraced because you are in the family. Everybody hates your guts. So he climbed up into that tree to see Jesus. I I wonder, you have emotional problems like that? You say, kid, it's been a long time since I climbed up in the tree because I was afraid. That may be true, but a lot of us maybe feel insecure when it comes to Jesus. Maybe, 
maybe like Zacchaeus, when the subject of Jesus comes up or the matter of being forgiven of sin, maybe we, we just don't feel worthy of that. A friend of mine many years ago finally obeyed the gospel. But that was after many, many years of insecurity, not feeling good enough. Both of his parents were Christians. His wife was a Christian. His daughter was a Christian. She's married to a gospel preacher. But he had not obeyed the gospel. He said, Ken, I, I'm just not worthy. I got sin in my life. I live in an environment that's not conducive to Christian living, and I just, I can't. You know what I told him? I told him the same thing you would tell him. I told him, I'm right there with you. I'm not worthy either. But Jesus didn't die for worthy people. He died for sinners, just like you and me. In Romans chapter 5, verses 6 and following, when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died for sinful people. There was one who couldn't see Jesus, at least temporarily, because of an emotional barrier. Our vision of Jesus can also be obscured by spiritual barriers. Verse 7, but when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He's gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this man's house, because he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Spiritual barriers. I'm a sinner, Zacchaeus admits. I'm a thief. Now, I don't know if he's really a thief, but everybody thought he was a thief. And he says, you know what? Since people think that, here's what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to go as far as the law requires. Exodus chapter 22, verse 1. I'm going to give four times what I have, quote unquote, stolen from my people. Four times. And all, not only that, 
but I'm going to give half my goods to the poor. Nobody ever required that, but I'm showing you that I really care. And I, I feel terrible about what I've done. I've been ostracized from my own community. Everybody looks down at me, and I'm telling you, I'm ready to pay the price. I'm ready to demonstrate my contriteness, my humility. I'm going to give what the law allows, and then I'm going to give half of all that I have. But you know, there are some people for whom there is never enough contriteness, humility, repentance. Back up with me. But when they saw it, they all complained saying, he's gone to be a guest with a man who's a sinner. You know, that dreg of society, that person filed right underneath the harlots and the sinners, that guy, that traitor to our own society, the one that is disgraced in his own family and who taints everybody that he comes into contact with, I can't believe that Jesus would go to the home of a man like that when they saw it. Usually when you read a text like this, you want to find the antecedent. To whom does they refer? And you go back and you realize, wait a second. So it's like this story just kind of abruptly starts right here in Luke 19. You go back further, you see, well, there are crowds of people. And way, way back, you've got some religious leaders. And I'm just really not sure who they refers to. Maybe it was the crowd, probably, mixed with all sorts of people who thought they were better than him to start with. But I'm wondering if maybe we shouldn't be careful that they actually refers to us when they saw it. Because I know how the story turns out and I know how Jesus feels about Zacchaeus. And so if I were in a Bible class and asked whose side you on, Zacchaeus, you know, tax collector, he's, he's repented. I'm with him. But practically speaking, is that what we would do? Or would we judge him? Would we be with everybody else? Sinner. And once we concluded sinner... You know, we're not as bad a sinner as he is. We're up on this. We're up here. Is it, is it true that maybe as a result of that, instead of, you know, seeking the lost, as Jesus said, that was his thing, I've come to seek and save that which was lost. Instead of that, maybe we would instead create a spiritual barrier. Whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Zacchaeus created his own spiritual back barrier, right? Sinner, thief. Okay. But he knew that. And he came seeking forgiveness. Is it possible I could be guilty of creating spiritual barriers to someone's vision of Jesus? Sometimes it's not our likeness to the tax collector that gives us the problem. Sometimes it's 
more our likeness to the Pharisees, the self-righteous, that's really our problem. Look, when I look at this text, I see all kinds of barriers. And I know many of us have some of those barriers. Maybe we're like Zacchaeus. We just got piles of barriers. But we can overcome physical, emotional, and spiritual barriers. God forbid that we should ever become that for somebody else. But in respect to our own situation, those barriers can be removed so that our sins can be forgiven. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. That's what Jesus can do. Let's not any of us ever be one of those barriers that gets in the way of God doing His thing and transforming a sinner. If you're a child of God, you've been transformed. You had your sins washed away. Maybe something's happened. I don't know. If it has, let's get back to that squeaky new feeling, right? Of the blood washing those sins away. Let's confess our sin. And he'll be faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you are not a child of God today, then you can see Jesus. And I don't care what kind of barrier has been placed in your way. That can be removed. Today you can have your sins washed away. It doesn't matter what anybody's opinion of you is except what God's opinion is. And his desire is for you to be saved. Today, get those sins washed off of you in baptism, your obedience to the gospel, having believed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the very one who shed his blood, that washes your sins away in that baptismal act. When you rise up, whoo, free of sin. You want that today? It can be yours. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand together and sing.
minds to the Lord's Supper when I survey the wondrous cross. When I survey to participate in the Lord's Supper, if you'll hold up your hand, uh, one of the deacons will bring those to you. It's interesting in uh, Ken's lesson today that he talked about emotional, physical, and spiritual kinds of barriers. Well, when I think about Christ's suffering, you know, he suffered emotionally. I'm thinking about there in the garden where... Peter, James, and John couldn't even stay awake. And you know, why are you still sleeping? When I think about the, the physical pain that Jesus went through when they scourged him and beat him with all of those whips, plucked out his beard, nailed him to a cross. And when I think about the, the spiritual pain when he was there in the garden, uh, asking God to not have him go through that. And then on the cross when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Knowing that it was your sin and my sin that separated him from his father. But isn't it wonderful when those women came to the, the tomb and were told there, why seek the living among the dead? And then they answered their own question by saying, He is risen. Jesus wanted us to remember him. And that's what we're going to do as we partake of the Lord's Supper. Would you bow with me as I give thanks for the bread? Our loving Heavenly Father, 
We're so thankful that you loved us so much you were willing to sacrifice your son. And we know, Father, that this bread represents his body. And we pray that as we partake of it, that we would do so in a manner pleasing to thee. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Bow with me again. Our loving Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that Jesus was willing to shed his blood. And we know that this fruit of the vine represents that blood. And once again, we pray that as we partake of it, we do so in a manner pleasing to thee. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Second Corinthians 9 and verse 7. So let each one of, of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. We have the opportunity to give as another act of worship. On the screen you can see several ways that you can give. Here in the auditorium, collection plates are at each door. And you have the opportunity to give as God has prospered you. Would you bow with me, please? Our loving Heavenly Father, we know that you have blessed us beyond measure. And we pray that you would bless the way that we utilize what you have given us. And we pray that you would bless this contribution this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning. It's a beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, We had 115 at the early service, and there's 165 here right now. Uh, I speak for everyone. Uh, That was a wonderful message. Thank you for taking us into the Word, Ken. And and also, I speak for everyone. Thank you, Ken and Anita, for being part of our congregation. Uh, As was spoken earlier, Marilyn Martin, uh, her knee surgery, let's uh, be in prayer for her. A lot of anxiety, I'm sure, but we have a lot of uh, confidence in our medical professionals. I have a note uh, to read. Dear church family, thank you so much for the calls, cards, food, visits, gifts, and prayers during the loss of my brother David. Please continue to keep our family in your prayers. We are truly blessed to be a part of this loving congregation. In Christian love, Dale, Emily, and Ethan Kendrick. A few announcements in addition. The SALT Team 2, not 1, 3, or 4, SALT Team 2 will meet for a meal in the annex tonight, immediately following the 5 p.m. classes. A variety of soups will be provided. And remember, Team 2 members should bring individually wrapped sandwiches or desserts. You bring both if you want to, but either or. 
is what it says. Also, there will be an elders and deacons and ministers meeting next Sunday at 2 o'clock in the little chapel. And all ladies are invited to a wedding shower in honor of Carly Chittam, bride-elect of Tyler White, next Sunday from 1 to 2.30 in the annex. Uh, the registered corner gifts, corner gifts, Belk, and Amazon. I guess that's where you go and well, you know. Anyhow, if you would please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful to be able to come together and, and dive into thy word. And Father, every, every time we, we hear thy word, we, we gain a different perspective. For we shall never, ever stop reading thy word and living by it. Father, as we see things in the world today that might be discouraging, don't let them overwhelm us. We must not. Father, we must always maintain confidence in ourselves, for we know the right way to live and the right path to take. And Father, surely not will we ever let our faith in Thee to be diminished. Father, we have so many reasons for joy. They're too numerous to count. Things we learn from Thee and Thy Word and the example of your son that was given to us. May we never let the daily events or people's opinions lead us astray. May we maintain that straight and narrow path to where we know we need to go for that ye has shown us. Father, we know thy plan and we're so thankful that you have let us have knowledge of it. And we're so very thankful that you sent your son, Jesus, and may the whole world know this, that he came and he died and he was ridiculed and he was tortured and he did things we didn't deserve and he didn't have to. And we're so thankful until the day we die. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat> 